Hello, everybody, body, body. Welcome back to Beyond the Bleachers. It is episode 24. I myself, Tendo Bossa, and I am joined with the illustrious. This man has invented Kung Fu. He's actually transcribed Braille by using only his eyes. Yeah, you heard that. Don't ask too many questions about it. But he already has the answers to the 2022 SAT test. Yes, and he's got a perfect 1500, if that's the total score. My man, the man with the plan, Moses Waldo. Moses, how are you doing, man? And how can I get those answers? Well, you're almost, for, well, you did forget, actually, the fact that I already know who's going to win the 2022 World Cup. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me, though. I like to enjoy it as it happens, though. Well, you but... do. I'm, I'm going to put major bets. Oh, okay. <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of teams. Just, oh, just no. Give you a heads up. It's a, it, this just in. Moses put $200,000 on Qatar. Unrelated news. <laughs> Qatar and they win. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. what? What the fuck? I think it's like, huh? you could just put like one... Canadian dollar. I think you would cash out your odds. Incredible. I think yeah. even just $10, you could probably feed like three generations of your family. Just off that, of that or probably bed. like, you know, be a, you know, a silent partner in SpaceX. That's what yeah. that's, yeah. that's going to be. That's what's going to so, happen. Smoking a pipe in the background. You're literally actually like, uh, like you are one of your part of Spectre and like James Bond, you're like at the end of the conference table, like smoking a pipe. Yeah. I wanna, I won a lot of money uh, betting on the Qatar World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> you know that would be a good life. That's yeah. a life Hop- I'd love hey, to live. Hobnobbing with shakes and you know <laughs> these geniuses, and there's me. I'm like, hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The club. Oh, oh look at new money over here. Yeah. <laughs> Recently rich. Uh, yeah, one of those gun machines just started like spraying <laughs> all the money around. Oh, yeah. We're going to, yeah, totally who they were saying this. You know what I would do though? Like after yeah. like everybody would leave, I'd like scrape up all the money again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'm shit, like, I, you know, shit. I just made it. <laughs> I know it's money. Like, yeah. Guys, guys, come on. Let's I don't have a printing press, man. Yeah, like, come on. I don't. I don't I'm, have that shape. I'm not like you guys. Yeah, I'm not like yeah. you guys. I actually, you know, listen. Yeah, this is just I could lose. Tram. I could lose this shit. <laughs> I bet on Qatar. I like, bet on Qatar. I could lose this shit, y'all. <laughs> this shit don't come again. This is lightning. This only strike once. Oh man, no, that's good. No, good to hear. So I hope you've been doing okay, Moses. Uh, things have been going great. You know, lots of sports um, filling up the news feed. The uh, scrolling has been nonstop. Everything from soccer to football to, you know, uh, even tennis a little bit here and there. But, you know, anything catching your eye right now, Moses? Anything in particular? Oh, uh, no. Uh, there's a few stories. Yeah, but like that, I'm just like slowly getting back into it. I was just on vacation. Of course, sorry. Project. Yes, yeah. You know, How was that? Uh, How was vacation? Oh, it's, it's nice to recharge the batteries a little bit. And the thing is, like, For I avoided sure. quite a few sports, 
So like yeah. I was playing catch up. Like just like, uh, oh, what happened here? I'm like, okay, Atlanta lost again. Perfect. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, dying moments, and you're like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, so it's okay, that makes day. sense. They have to leave so, in the fourth quarter. Oh, of course. Yeah, they. yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I yeah. don't know. Like it's just like those things where I'm just like, oh, couldn't tell you. Uh, you know, couldn't tell you how. Look at that, it. like in you know El Clasico and trying to fit yeah. that in, and then just that trying was to great. See the results were. That was great. Yeah. It was it was good. It was good waking up watching um, uh, Real Madrid torch. Uh, Barcelona torch. That was good. Oh, did I tell you how much I hate Sergio Ramos? <laughs> like I'm sure he's like a, like a fine human being, but like as a player, it's like a it irritates man. me. I see his face. He donates my blood to like boils. Madrid charities to like the children's hospital. I don't care. I look at his face; it just irritates me. Like you this know. guy could solve world hunger, and I see his face, and I just, my, my, I just. I think he's him. actively trying. I think he actually actively is trying, but no, I, I hate. You. <laughs> I, I think he's secretly saying, how can I piss off Moses today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kill him with kindness. <laughs> That's his job. That's yeah. his job. No, I'm for just sure. Like, oh, man. Well, I'll tell you, that was not a, that was a dive. That was no. a dive with Ramos. That should not have been a penalty. That's all I have to say. Like, oh, it just, when I see Here that, I just want to throw something at the TV. You know and what? I know I'm going to, the only person that's going to get affected is me because I just have to pay for a brand new TV. You know the and problem? Ramos is out there collecting checks the reason where he's he going can only buy 50,000 no. of the same TV. Oh, he's going blink. off. Oh, he's going off. Yeah, uh, I'm, just, I'm getting fired up. Sergio <laughs> Ramos, man. Like, you ever, like, you know, Moses, is, I, you know, they always say, like, I'm just pretty chill and relaxed. You yeah. know me. Yeah, no, like, no, no. You just, he's... like, you really want to just, just really just twist yeah, that twist, knife in me and just want to get me going. Yeah. Just mention Sergio Ramos. It's like, <laughs> it's like Pavlov's dog. You know, I just, all of a sudden, I'm just like, Ready, like, so ready just to rip him to shreds, man. This is the piss off. This is what this is what gets you going. This yeah. What gets the blood boiling? Um, you know what? That's good because this that's what he's meant to do. Elicit an emotion. Um, but uh, you know what's also <laughs> you hate that. <laughs> he gets me every time. You know what? You know what emotion oh. I've been elicited recently, Moses. Is that's that's of uh, uh, just just mentioning. The idea of new money, you know, like you had said before, and and I think uh, someone else has just sniffed new money, and by someone else I mean uh, one Daryl Morey. So just recently we were talking about Daryl Morey and uh, you know his, um, under, understandably, you know, early exit, as it was assumed initially, taking a step back, you know. Getting getting closer with the family because being a GM for the Houston Rockets, as though he had made incredible teams, made an incredible run, formidable you know uh, records. Uh, he he had, they'd set incredible paces you know and 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 broken barriers in the game itself. It makes sense you know it, we've just gone through a really tough pandemic, Moses. Of course, someone says, "I just want to go home, hang out with the family." You know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna say anything, right? You're gonna be like, "For sure, Daryl, go for it, man." We were even talking about the fact that who's gonna replace Daryl? What's gonna happen to James? You know, now that this void has been left and and not ever seen Daryl again. But I guess Daryl found greener pastures, you know, and he found something he couldn't pass up. And that is a presidency for the 76ers organization. Daryl Morey 
has gone from a perennial GM, you know, a full-on data analyst, you know, the the data dump guy who brought apart the 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 only only go for threes or uh, uh, layups. That's it. Threes layups with contact. That's pretty much it. No mid-range shooting. You know, that's that's his claim to fame. Him and D'Antoni perfected that. And now this man is going to be running the 76ers organization. Moses, what are your thoughts? I think it's smart for the Sixers and Daryl Morey for the fact that Morey is a president. He's not going to have to have to face the rigors of being a general manager or, you know, someone that's, you know, a coach, right? I think he has a luxury in the sense that he is a figurehead. Uh, He is someone that does have clout. Uh, He's had success in the NBA putting teams together. Um, We've seen in Houston, you know, they may have not necessarily gone to the finals, but they were competitive teams, right? And he did build that team uh, that included James Harden. I think this is a great win for everybody because he gets to still spend time with his family, but at the same time, make money. Like, you know, I'm sure he's got other business interests, but in this case, it's another free check. And I'm sure the family is going to have no problem with that whatsoever. And I think maybe another theory that might come into it, maybe he did spend time with his family and then realized, <laughs> just like everybody, especially when you're around family consistently, yeah, the last few months, they can irritate you. Maybe this job is a chance for him to escape and maybe, you know, provide some, um, some clarity (laughs) and and that, that, that she's taking a vacation. He's like, I'm taking a vacation from taking a vacation. Cause I don't know about you guys, but I just met my kids. (laughs) He's like, and I think I need, I need, I think I need to Yeah. I think I need to sink my teeth into a bigger challenge. Something I can really, I can't, I don't know what's going on at home. I don't know. One of my kids is talking about dating. I don't know what's going on there. You know what? <laughs> Being a president of a basketball organization, that seems about, that seems easy. That seems it's straightforward. A win for, it's a win for both parties. It's a win. It's, I agree. It's a win for both parties. But, you know, I think the bigger thing uh, of it is, you know, of course now this is a big overhaul with, Daryl Morey becoming president and Doc Rivers assuming the head coaching role. It's going to be a incredible transformation in in terms of leadership. Um, And I guess, yeah, Daryl Morey has probably been a type of guy who has always wanted to set his own path as well. Um, An understanding of where where the basketball operations should be going. And I think this presidency gives him that bondage point whereby at Houston, he didn't really have as much leeway in in terms of who to trade for, uh, what the asking and buying price of their players would be for the roster and what's on the table and what's not on the table, you know, namely, is, is it possible to ever really use a big, you know, anchor player um, slash James Harden type player to bargain for other things because I'm sure Daryl Morey is that dynamic of a uh, he's of of a guy that I think at Houston he, I I I would assume that idea thought of had come up previously but I I think the you know the establishment don't like that way of thinking it's too risky it's not something that they're good with but I do think the 76ers 
who are more than happy to have an idea where there's a dynamic blowing up of, of the team. You know, you have two superstars, but you technically only need to anchor one and then build accordingly, right? And just pair up, um, maybe Ben or Joel, one of each, uh, one of them might leave and Daryl might be a part of that, you know, because he's very good at making in very decent trades and putting together uh, teams that I think coaches appreciate. D'Antoni definitely did. Whatever D'Antoni really asked for and spoke about, especially in the offense, Daryl did, I think, his utmost best to, to provide for. And that's, defi- that's difficult to find in the GM. And I think now Daryl being a president for the 76ers, I think they're in good hands. I don't know if they're going to do well this season. Not with this roster. Maybe they're going to ha- he will need to make those adjustments. Um, but maybe in the next two, three years, I say under Daryl Morey. Yeah, because you, see- you, you have Elton Brand. And I think Elton Brand or not, as your general manager. Yes. I, I think you <clears throat> can find those pieces that can work for sure you know, with this club. I'm just thinking if they're going to, you know, if Elton Brand decides to take some of that Daryl Morey, you know, mindset of, you know, guys who can shoot threes, do you really want Ben Simmons as your guy? In terms of being able to facilitate the ball, being able to get running up and down the floor, uh, his yeah. size, fantastic like the guy's great when he has to go to the hoop but his problem has always been shooting threes in a league where three-point shooting is required right it's important like it's imperative when this game nowadays mid-range jumpers are a thing of the past essentially right it's all about threes and 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 going to the cup and and you have Joel Embiid who could do that he needs to yes. improve on his three-point shooting a little bit for more. sure. But for sure. he is a big body inside, and I think he'd be great to have. The length in terms of Ben Simmons is phenomenal, but if his shooting does not improve, how does he still stick around with the Sixers? I don't see it. And you got to share the ball between those two guys. Eh, I don't know. I think you may be able to find somebody in free agency and be able to get rid of Ben Simmons. Yeah, you think that that might well, be you still where... give him a chance. I think maybe with Doc Rivers, they could figure something out. And like I said, mm-hmm. if he improves his three-point shooting this upcoming season, that's awesome. I think yeah. that's great. But yeah. for whatever the reason, you know, everyone called him the next LeBron James, and he's shown a, yeah. no real evidence that would be comparable. Like, he, it's flashes. Too hard. He's shown, he's he's shown, shown flashes. flashes. I yeah. will say that. You're right. Yeah, his and ability to get – his ability to drive into the lane. He's, a big he body can, who can handle the ball. Yes. He's very oh, good. Yeah. And he can distribute very the ball skilled. much like LeBron can. Oh, for sure. But his problem is his three-point shoot. And <laughs> big problem. It just, it just, it, and you think, you know, you're like, okay, after his first year and two that he would kind of figure things out. Well, he hasn't no. yet. Lacking. I think it's something that – I don't know if it's just – like what? Because like, you've seen guys disrespect him by giving him a lot of space because they're like, yeah, shoot your jumper. It's okay. I dare you to. <laughs> and I think, you know what? What does bug me about him as well is the 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 notion that it's been a three-year, um, I guess, storyline. His shooting, like the lack of shooting. Um, you know, it's one thing to come out of as a rookie – you know, not being able to shoot because that's something they can train. Uh, you, you, they notice the raw ability. You have the talent. You can, you can 
you can acquire new skill sets as you develop in the NBA. So learning a three-point shoot is something any team can teach. Um, as well as you as a as an athlete as well can get a trainer, which a lot of them do, and you know, get in the gym. But I don't know if Ben Simmons is doing it and just not feeling confident while playing, or maybe Brett Brown didn't make him feel comfortable enough to, to really go for it, or maybe he didn't set the precedent in a way that would make him push himself to, you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. it's one thing to keep practicing in, in training, but if it's not a even sometimes just a do or die sort of thing that Brett Brown's not saying, because he was just too nice of a guy. He was too nice of a guy. And I mm -hmm. remember time after time when they brought up his, uh, what Ben Simmons is shooting um, in, in post-match conferences, you know, at games where they were losing due to the fact that he was either inefficient and or there were opportunities for him to take the shot and he had to dish it out to someone else and they either get a turnover or a stop. Um, and he would say, yeah, it's soft-spoken though, in a manner of speaking, but say, yeah, like there's something that they need to work on and I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna demand it of Ben, Sim, ben now going forward. And that was like a season ago and there was no difference, none whatsoever. So it's okay, like, I, maybe- I would, finish, your, finish what you were saying. Yeah, so maybe I think Ben, even though he is very like, I, I think maybe going elsewhere might help his career and his path. I think if given maybe Doc um, the opportunity to at least try and coach him differently, maybe it can coax him into becoming more, you know, taking more chances, trying, trying more. Cause I think that's, you know, a lot of it is just the key, just, just being confident enough to take the shot, try anyway and that your team is okay with the consequences. But you also have to be. But also don't be shit. Don't be shit, man. Well, there's reports that don't be, the, don't be like, the Sixers trading straight up Ben Simmons for James Harden with the Rockets saying, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard pause. Yeah. That's a hard uh, pause. To, to, just kind of give you some statistics. Um, the number two. Do you know what that, the significance of the number two is? Uh, in what context for 76 for Ben Simmons? Just... For Ben Simmons, the number two, just I guess, just kind of just put this in perspective. Okay, okay, is... the number two, yes, is the amount of three point shots made in his entire career. No, ben Simmons <laughs> has made two more three point shots than you or I. Ben Simmons has made 24, has attempted 24 three-point attempts. Throw what, whatever I just said, throw more it out the us. window. Throw it out the window. The dude throw has more triple doubles. Take. He has more window. triple doubles. I'm sorry. He has 28 triple doubles. Yeah, I betrayed you. I betrayed 24 <laughs> three-point attempts. Let that sink in. He's got a 0 0.83 three-point percentage. This kid, this kid. How sway? How is he in the NBA? That's what I want to know. It makes no sense. Like, I mean, like th this game is based on, like I said, yeah, your you ability know, to getting to the cup and yeah. three-point shooting. 
And yeah. you mentioned this off the top of the segment with Daryl Morey. Morey. Morey's system, including Mike D'Antoni's, was either you go to the you go hard to the basket, get yeah. the contact and yeah. the foul, and eventually a three-point play foul. if it works. Yeah. Or you shoot from the perimeter, like outside, it'd be on yeah. the arc. It needs they need to they, you need to maximize your point. It's about point points efficiency. So if you go hard drive for contact, it's it's two plus one. You know, if you get it or or two or uh, from from the perimeter, it's three. So, yeah, you're trying to get as many points as possible. But these motherfuckers. Yeah, sorry. Can you continue? Your no, point? it's just I was just trying to emphasize how poor of a shooter he is. And yeah, I know we said, it's just and I just look at the statistics and I'm like, Damn. he's made two more three pointers in that's bad. 217 career NBA games spanning that's three bad. seasons. That's bad, man. I don't more know than us. He's made two you, more three-pointers than us. Yeah, Come you, on. Can't dress, you cannot dress that up. That is just bad. That's atrocious. But just, it, I think... Daryl so, Morey, if you could swing some kind of deal that sends figure it out somewhere else. Because at, after three years, and it's hard to say, you know, there's parts where you can be really critical, and then you realize, like, he is only 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he can't grow, but there's... Uh, at a certain time, there's a certain time where you could just say, well, you know, a leper can't change its spots. Like, it, he is what he is. He's not a three-point shooter. And no. if he is, he's a damn poor one. Yeah. And yeah. you look at his, he had 11 attempts in his first year, or he was injured his first year. But his first full season in the NBA, he had 11 three-point attempts, didn't make any. Six the following year. And then last year in the lockout, or not lockout season, but the pause season, Due to COVID nineteen, he played fifty seven games, was two for seven from beyond the arc. Like, but still, like, the fact that he only has twenty four attempts—that's what's what. It's shocking. Say, it's shocking. What now? It's shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. And I mean, you can you can only imagine that of the of the twenty seven attempts that he had, that's only like maybe thirteen percent of the actual opportunities. He was given to take a three-point shot, like the go-ahead, like <laughs> because he yeah because they're like we're definitely... two, we're gonna win it. He's like, you know, he's like, you need a three to win it. He's like, how about a two? How <laughs> how about we tie, guys, go to overtime, and see what happens? Guys, I'm a drive. How about we do that? And I'm yeah. I'm gonna be real forceful, get as close to the rim as possible. Compare and... that. Yeah, compare that to his uh, 2,500. He had 640 attempts from two point range. So, you know, any, anywhere inside, right? Yeah. That's from mid range, right? That's what he had, yeah. 640 attempts, 58% two point. Uh, so, so that's where he, so that's where he lives and dies. That's his bread and butter is, is that's, that's, that's high school efficiency now though. You know, that's regarded as high school efficiency. Yeah. But um, you have, but the volume, you can't stretch the style. floor. Yeah. If you can't if stretch, you the floor, stretch the floor. You're, you're, are you really that useful? No, and and I that's the thing. That's why I'm I'm confused by where his where his versatility is going to come in because he he's gonna he's gonna sink in this NBA that's changing so quickly. Like the big guys are all from this next draft class. I bet you the number one. I think he's the number two pick. He's from Georgia or something. He's a center, and apparently he can shoot. As well, um, you know, let's not forget 
uh, uh, balls out here. He's a sniper. The kid yeah. can shoot too. You know, there's centers out of college coming in who can shoot. And Ben Simmons, a power forward or a, a guard, you know, um, is unable to. He's unable to be effective, you know. And he does know that mid-range doesn't help anymore. It doesn't help at all in in the NBA. These are these are grown men. <laughs> these are grown, these are grown men. Mid range, <laughs> bro. You, nah, you, you you no. They're gonna get. They can eat that all day. You know. They oh, like, dude. Come on. These guys. These guys swat stuff like that out every day. So comparing Ben Simmons to mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, Embiid is a career thirty one percent shooter from beyond the arc yeah you know expect like and that's, you know it's, if you can get those you, numbers you into, the, that. into the low 40s high 30s low 40s that, be, that takes him to the next level yeah but you look at him just from his rookie season alone or even just last year if you look at just mm-hmm. last year's three-point 33 percent made 57 of the 172 attempts that he took from beyond the arc still good still better than ben so that's ridiculous yeah, 55 more made Oh, just ridiculous, and and he's a he's a very giving teammate. He's he definitely passes the ball around, so he makes sure everyone gets. A, There's a nothing wrong with a facilitator, well. but damn oh. man, you got a shot for three, you take it. And I think after the years he had and those memes that just continue to to pepper him over the last few years <laughs> were were quite funny about his three point shooting percent and so the fact one. that in his first two full seasons in the NBA playing, yeah. yeah. The man did not register a three-point attempt. I just, I just remembered when it was uh, the someone, someone put on Twitter. Oh man, it killed me. It was, um, yo, uh, Paul George and Ben Simmons were in the gym, uh, putting up shots, practicing three-point shooting. He said it sounded like gunshots. <laughs> And Joe cracked you up. You ended up dropping something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, y'all. Joe. Everything fell apart. Are we still good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Magic of editing. I'll figure this out. <laughs> but that joke, that joke killed me. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I like slapped my knee, and then it was game over after that. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, moving on to the next, uh, thing, uh, now that we're, we're on to it, talking about, talking about, uh, knee slappers here, uh, we got a, a, a new addition to the Buccaneers dressing room, uh, Antonio Brown signs one year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, that will bring the Buccaneers to a complete roster in the eyes of uh, the Las Vegas Sportsbook and puts them in the as firm favorites, at least them um, and Kansas for the Super Bowl. Moses, I think you also even mentioned that as well. Uh, Antonio signed a uh, base salary, 750000 with incentives. Of course, they can get up there if they hit the Super Bowl. Um, and 
yeah, you know, a whole bunch of stuff if he makes some targets and yardage and receptions. Uh, pretty open and shut one-year deal, definitely based on his behavior as well. And this is based off of a lift uh, of his ban after um, having some uh, sexual assault allegations put toward him last year. Moses, you seem very interested to, to, to speak on this. Uh, I know, you know, there's a lot on it. Everyone already believes that he's going to be a difference maker and that there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of teams broken apart by this, this offense. These guys are definitely going to be firing on full cylinders. I want to know, you know, aside from that, we'll talk about, we'll obviously, we'll first part will be, of course, acknowledging how good this team is going to be. But secondly, I want to know, Moses, is can they last? Till the end of the season can they lost till the to the super bowl because you know we have a firecracker in antonio brown aside from the things that he did do or didn't do um when whether it was in and around uh his occupation um that you know the things he was he was going through obviously in his personal life but from what we know antonio brown is a teammate who can rub people the wrong way you know um and that's coming from a guy who got off of uh, uh, sexual assault uh, in Ben Roethlisberger. You know, if that guy's making a comment, a character uh, assassination on you, that, that's got to say something. Uh, <laughs> but I'm kidding. That's just a poor joke. I'm sorry, <laughs> y'all. I'll be here all week. I was going to be uh, like, this dude has no <laughs> chance of surviving. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Moses. I know what you mean. Like, yeah, when you have somebody, it's yeah, when you have somebody like Ben Roethlisberger criticizing you, that's Listen, that's bad news. I do bad. think to get to your point to 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 start off first and foremost to answer your question, I think he will be under control. I think you still have guys like Bronk, uh, even though he's a wild guy, he is a is a pretty good locker room guy too, right? He was part of that system. Same thing with Tom Brady of being able to bring people. It's not quite the Patriots way where it's, you know, ruled with an iron fist by a guy named Belichick, but you, you look at the dynamics of those guys. I think they can personally, I, I really do think that uh, they can hold them in check and not only that, but Bruce Arians, I think Bruce Arians is a player's coach. And I yeah. think it's, it's a stark contrast to what you saw with uh, Belichick and what happened in his situation. Um, with John Gruden, um, as good as you know, as as Chucky is uh, sometimes, and he he sounds like a just a player's coach. I think there's just certain things that it just it didn't it didn't fit and didn't jive. It didn't resonate. No yeah, at the time, yeah. Uh, I personally think. Do you know? That, do you think he wasn't a good uh, enough co like player coach? Because you know that's been the critique at least for his time at Oakland. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you, you try to find that balance of being a, letting your players be and yeah, training them in. Yeah. I just don't think it was a proper fit with no. Chucky because it doesn't work for his personality. You need someone who's going to rein him in a little bit more. For I sure. think Bruce Arians is a guy where he can be stern, but man, he can do, guys he can do love playing for him. Yeah, and yeah. they love playing for him. I think Belichick is a little too stern, and I think yeah. Bruce Arians is that right mix. And I think the guys he has around him and look at the weapons that they are loaded with offensively. I God, it's going to be so much fun to watch. 
And the second thing I wanted to add in after, you know, just mentioning what we were talking about, Antonio Brown, you throw him in the mix. He's going to have four games to kind of get his feet wet, right? Especially with the Giants. Oh, I'm expecting, you know, 100 points from Tampa Bay. <laughs> it's just, it's Lord knows, the Giants, good Lord. And that's a Monday night game. So rest in peace to the New York Giants. Uh, but you look at the games that are going to coming up. They're going to be very entertaining and things will be very fun to watch. You got New Orleans coming up, right? Right after yeah. the Giants. So November, yeah. this is the month of November. They'll have New Orleans, Carolina, at Carolina, then mm-hmm. two back-to-back home games against the LA Rams and Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be crazy. And, How and amazing it, are those offenses? Because you look at it, those two games against the Rams, Chiefs, and, and New Orleans in particular are going to be super entertaining to see how Antonio Brown will fit in with this group, will he get the ball? I think he's going to, I think he realizes, I think there's a maturity level now. Um, and I think his contract is incentive laden. Yeah. That it actually will say, okay, I need to like buckle down and do this thing. But if you want to get paid there, out. There's no doubt in my mind that he's still at that peak level. And if you can get Antonio Brown from the days of Pittsburgh, hell yeah, I would take him. And I think he has people that are going to rein him in if things come up. And then of course he's, He's had a lot of talks with, you know, some former NFLers, um, some guys who've had, you know, big personalities, um, yeah. but, but were, were great teammates and great people in general. And one of them is Deion Sanders, who I absolutely love and admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's kind of hung around him a lot, trying to get him back in shape and really sure. like mentoring the man and, you know, really trying to see if, you know, just the, the errors of his ways, like to show Antonio's yeah. errors of his ways and I think there's going to be a maturity level that we're we're going to see it's people are going to obviously hold his feet to the fire for the time being but I think he's going to fit in well with Tampa I think he's going to be an excellent weapon it just makes them a Super Bowl favorite out of the NFC uh, heading in and I'm excited to see the pre-Super Bowl matchup I think we ultimately the end of the month on November 23rd Monday night are against the Rams and the following Sunday on the 29th against Kansas City that is going to be Potentially, and you know, you could see as a uh, as an NFC championship if it comes down to, or some kind of playoff game in the NFC, and uh, a Super Bowl uh, final between them and Kansas City. Hmm. Hmm. So we should expect the best. You know. Okay. No, I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, I definitely think uh, the Bucks are going to have a bigger, you know, trajectory. I. Uh, closer to the top than they were before. I think it was debatable before, but now with this addition, uh, yeah, no, I, it's, we're gonna, it's gonna be a very interesting Super Bowl. So I'm excited, I'm excited. Uh, but let's turn our, turn our eyes to something that's a little, a little more your speed here, Moses. So now on the other side, you know, now let's go Midwest. So things are getting cold up here in the big O. By O, I mean Ohio, not OBJ. So <clears throat> this thing piece is a little complex, but just 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 the idea that okay, there, there's this debate going on about who's 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 better off, who's the bigger influence, OBJ or Mayfield, because now that OBJ has been, you know, uh, abruptly retired from the roster for the remainder of the season. Um, a, a, you know, I guess you could say um, a willingness to play hard for the team, I guess. 
he tore his ACL and he's out for the remainder of the year. Um, but now with that attacking option down, but with still a lot of good attacking options and a very good solid line, um, Brown seems still set to do well in this postseason, Moses. But this begs the question, who's really got the juice here? Who's really the guy you cannot live without? Is it OBJ or is it Baker? Your running backs. Ah, so. See, I told you, you, we were talking about this before. Yeah. You were saying yeah. like, you're, you're talking about what's, what's really important. Uh-huh. Their running game, because their running game is what makes Baker Mayfield you know, um, you know, provides him that breathing room with their V sure. play action and you get the the defense, the front seven to commit, right? Or pause. The guy rolls out of the pocket. And I will give Baker Mayfield tons of credit because the game uh was it last week? I'm trying to remember. Yes, it was against Cincinnati, where he threw for five TDs after that sluggish start, 0 for five and in an interception. He came back and he threw a lot of those passes in the pocket. Like he didn't roll out or scramble or anything like that. Like he was just zipping them. So yeah. for a guy who's known to, you know, throw well out of the pocket and if he stays in the pocket, he, he kind of gets a little bit rushed and throws it away. Like he made some great plays out there and I'm super pumped for him that he, he did that, especially against Cincinnati. Yes. I'm so happy <laughs> they beat the Bengals. And it was a little nerve wracking later, but you know, we, they got it done. And I think, you know, you look at what he did in terms of taking that team when they lost OBJ and it was very tough and you saw the injuries that were continue to pile up offensively or just for the team in general, for the Browns, it's just been crazy. And the fact that you see the team right now in the position they're in and you're at five and two where there's an extra playoff spot. Now they're going to have seven teams in each conference that bodes well. So it's a fantastic job that they're doing. They're in third, but you know what? You got the Ravens and the Steelers. You really, you really can't, uh, you really can't hate on that because those are two excellent teams in a very tough AFC North. So I'm really excited to see what happens. But basically, it comes down to the running backs and the running game. If you get the running game going, that's where Baker Mayfield's going to excel a lot more. And I think when you see OBJ out, it's tough, but everything re- revolves around what. Once Nick Chubb comes back, whatever running back they'll throw in in the mix. Um, and, of course, uh, with, with Hunt, who's done a fantastic job coming in. He was special in Kansas City. He's doing it again, uh, even just taking on a bulk of the, of the snaps now. Uh, so I think – or the carries. So I yeah. really do uh, think it really comes down to getting that run game established in order to get Baker Mayfield going. Now, when it comes to a lot of the other things um, that are – that are coming out in terms of, you know, do they play better without OBJ? OBJ is a supreme talent. We all know that. And yes, he's a guy who's very, he can be emotional as a guy who's just passionate in general. You know, I'm not saying he's emotional as a loose cannon. He's just, he's very passionate mm-hmm. and he wants the ball. You get him involved mm-hmm. early. He's going to do whatever he can for you. Like, and I think mm-hmm. those are kind of the things that, you know, you want to bring him in. And for Baker Mayfield, perhaps there's a lot where you're trying to force it in OBJ and it just doesn't work out. Uh, but you've seen what he's done with a lot of the weapons using his tight ends, uh, especially. And I think that was key in the game against Cincinnati in particular, Jarvis Landry making some huge catches and running backs being able to catch out of the backfield and just doing what he can. I think he does better without OBJ because mm-hmm. he's not trying to force things. 
but to say that OBJ is a problem and they're just going to be losing with him in the lineup, so they should just get rid of him or they're better off without him, I don't necessarily think that. You're, he's going to, Baker Mayfield's going to have to figure things out. Um, but, you know, when it comes to that leadership standpoint, he's going to start finding his targets. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get the ball to the guys as, as much as possible. And it comes to really Kevin Stefanski, the offensive uh, coordinator, and the head, their head coach, and their offensive coordinator, uh, trying to figure out what they're going to really uh, do to get, and get these guys involved. And you saw over the last couple of weeks, at least me in particular, because as a Browns fan, try to catch every game as possible. I don't know. A lot of, course, of people are out there, course, but I'm just, yeah, you know, just yeah. keep it in mind. Cause they're like, guys, watch the Browns. He's been, I, he's been with them since before they were winners, you know, well, when they were they, in the, well, there's been a lot of, yeah, I've been around a lot I mean, of years. I mean, yeah, let's say you let's just put have, that, just put it mildly. I've seen so many quarterbacks just go through that system. It's not even, <laughs> but nevertheless, Yes, uh, I think when you you look at what this team has done, uh, Kevin Stefanski, the the in the offense, uh, they've done a fantastic job in terms of trying to f- get everybody in there. At the end of the day, Baker Mayfield is now going to have the opportunity to kind of throw the ball out there, but they are going to miss OBJ. There's no question about it. For sure, he's a great offensive talent, and mm-hmm. I think you'd be stupid to say ah oh, they can get rid of him or they don't need him. And I know statistic, you know statistics only can go so far. I think it's just because he tries to get, you know, Odell the ball because he really wants him to kind of factor into a game. And sometimes he'll just force it in places where he shouldn't. It shouldn't be. Yeah. And then maybe not get it. But of course, trying to help and satisfy as many of the the teammates as possible is also the job of the team. Yeah, when you got right? a, well, yeah, when you got a lot of hungry dogs, man, you got you got to make sure you distribute they the ball all, and get all, the guys they all uh, eat. They all get eat. the food. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and we're starting to see even guys where it's tough because you got so many injuries and you have to lean on guys. And I think mm-hmm. yeah, you know, to lose OBJ, that's going to be tough. But you know, this is yeah. a, this is a chance for you know this is a, a system and a league and it's just like anything in life you know when when things next take you up. down you absolutely you're gonna have to step up somebody else is gonna yeah. have to fill those shoes yeah next man up whoever's whoever's gotta be up gotta go through people's Jones not, uh, did a fantastic job a great catch you know normally known as a blocking receiver came out with a fantastic game winning touchdown towards the end just in the corner yeah, of the end zone beautifully yeah. ball it was a ball beautifully placed and yeah. a great grab at the end of the game there oh yeah oh yeah. Great, great, great. People's Jones, also a great name uh, to name your job. I'm waiting for I'm waiting it. for the coldest Crawford out of, from the LSU to come into the league. The coldest, oh yeah, the coldest. Cold, yeah, the coldest to ever do it. To ever do it. <laughs> Somebody put that as a, I was like, for real? That's crazy. But yeah, the coldest Crawford. Kind of oh a, man, that name. I just want to come see him on, in the man. league. Let's go. Let's get him in. You know, let's do a GoFundMe or something. Um, Roger Goodell, listen up. But, you know, whoever is also, you know, I'm talking about next man up, Moses. Uh, Barcelona now have a next man up mentality as well because they just recently put to bed the, <laughs> the saga of Josep Maria Bartemu. Maria Maria. So uh, prior to the Catalonian referendum, because Barcelona being a team run by and operated by the, the Catalonian people, uh, his presidency had come to question. And, you know, as a last gesture of 
you know, go fuck yourself. And also, you know, trying to be sort of kill him with kindness. He said, I shall resign to save you heathens. You know, he didn't say heathens. I'm not putting words in his mouth from having to go and cast the vote, you know, uh, in, in, during these COVID times, right? So he's like, I'll save you guys the breath and the trip. I'm going to leave anyway. So, you know, thanks, I guess. Um, uh, he's been there since 2014, if I'm not mistaken. He had been there for quite some time and, and ushered in a rain, you know, a very big rain and, and, and Barcelona's relentless attack on the Champions League. Uh, and the rigging that went on uh, where by which Arsenal and, and Barcelona kept ending up in the same groups. Uh, we all know that this is all rigged and thanks to this guy and a few other good people like Michelle Platini at UEFA, I'm talking to you, you know who you are. If I ever see you in these streets, Michelle, it's on site because you kept getting us in that group. Um, but that's besides the point. But Barca, uh, now, post Messi saga, are with their Messi star, but who is nearing the end of his playing career, and now are without a president. I don't know, Moses. Does this leave them in a better place than you know they they started, or 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 are they worse off? What are your thoughts? Well, their president is Leo Messi. Ah, <laughs> I for, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, so good. yeah, he's happy. <laughs> he's, Everybody in the Catalan region is happy. Is happy. <laughs> like he, is, yeah, he is their god. Yeah. And essentially, like you, the there was a rift between uh, Bartomo and and Messi. Lionel Messi, and it was it got to the point where we almost saw, and there were actual reports that saw that <laughs> Messi would be going to Manchester City, you know, and that scares the crap out of everybody. Uh, and I think it was a smart move by the board of governors and the, the, the pressure that was put on by the Catalan people. And of course, Leo Messi was the catalyst to oust him. And, you know, people talk about players having too much power. Me, I love Barcelona. So me, I got no problem with this because he, I, I just didn't think again that he was, a guy who put in the, the people that Messi needed to surround him with. And even the guys that he did have that maybe just lost the step, like his good friends, they just kicked him out, kicked him through the curb. Suarez? Yeah. Like, dude, like just at least you can understand if you're like, look, we're going to a different direction. We're going to have to change some things. But no, it's just like, you know, you just make sure the door doesn't hit your ass on the way out. That's the type of <laughs> mentality. And that's how Messi, feel, uh, Messi felt. And the, the rift between him and Bartomo grew even further for the fact that he felt like he was being disrespected and didn't talk to him. Now, you might say that, you know, Bartomo, does he really have to? He is the board of governors, but your golden calf is Leo Messi. Like, without him, your team is crap. Let's be real. Like, you take Messi out of that lineup because there's so many times, and you included last season, even the time when they capitulated uh, towards the end when they came back from the, the pause, and they had that lead that just evaporated and Real Madrid just went off like gangbusters yeah. to eventually take the, take the league. Yeah. I think you, you see that this is a side that hasn't been built properly. And the managers that have come in 
that you know haven't really been effective in that case. Um, and Satir the players, was, yeah, you know. Oh no, they just they had eight, eight two to to Bayern. Come on, bro. That's yeah. I think there's a there's a time and place where you have to say, all right, they just just hang them up or yeah. just get rid of them. And yeah. that was just Bartomo. I think there there was just a, a too much of a rift there that could not be amended. The way that you saw Messi's friends were treated um, on the team, even for the fact that they did lose their age was wasn't great. The fact that they let what really made me just my mind just just lose it was the fact that they let him go right i'm talking about suarez on a free and where does he sign with a team that's competing in your same league atletico madrid and he's not doing too bad so my thing is well bartomo you're an idiot for doing so you should even if you sold him at a massive loss you, you should have sold him, him to, to, to France. England. You should have sent you him, sent to, him to the French League. Yeah, sell him somewhere else. Sell him mm. to the German League. Yes. I you think know, do whatever you can. There. Oh, no. Sell in him Italy. back to Ajax. Send him yeah. back to Ajax. Wherever he needs to go. Just send him, yeah. so, send him elsewhere. Do not send him in your same league where he's going to punish you. And he will punish them. And Messi yeah, is going to. for sure. Oh, but yeah, I think the, sure. the part of it is. I think, well, that was if Bartomo was still around. I think he's gone now. So I think that's that's a good, healthy first step. Uh, when it comes to building this, building the team, I really do. Because Messi eventually is a guy who's got two more, three more seasons in him. And you still have a legitimate chance of winning a Champions League. And I think that's the ultimate goal. They've done the league. Mm-hmm. They've done the Copa del Rey. But what's been missing over the recent years since 2014 or 15 has been a Champions League title. So they want to have that again. Yeah. And when you see the success, especially with Real Madrid over the last few years, they, you know, it just kind of makes you sick to your stomach if you're a Barcelona fan. So you want to see that change. La decima. Okay. Hey, look, they did what they did. They're a bunch of che- jerks. La, des- La decima. Okay. But it's all right. But you know what? The, I, <laughs> the only person I can health, like, I could say I have a healthy respect for is Zinedine yeah. Zan. I cannot hate the man. I cannot hate him. A maestro. And I'm very, very smart guy. You know? You know? He's a superstar. He's a superstar. And you know what, Moses? You, you and him have the same, you know, same swag, same hairstyle. You know, this guy, he, he knows what's up. It's, 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 it's a swag of champions. Exactly. Yeah. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. I was going to go for the uh, Joseph Guardiola, but I hear, uh, I hear Pep is a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> for a lot like their players who come out and like who played under him and they're like, yeah, he's a jerk. And I think yeah, yeah, Torre even called him a racist. Like again, but these are allegations. But yeah, like he had a feud with him. That's different. Yeah. It's just between yeah, those two yeah, individuals. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the whole. Yeah. Because he said like there was a, there was a rift and he thought it was because and it was just getting pretty sour at mm-hmm. Barcelona mm-hmm. and he, he thought it was because he was and I think part of it Manchester City. Was because, yeah, he thought, he's like, yeah, I had thoughts that maybe he just didn't like me because I was black. Dude, so, oh, damn. Like Samuel Eto said the same thing, like he had issues with him. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm not saying he is, like, yeah, but, no, you know, I'm just <laughs> like, yeah. you compare that, it's like apples and oranges there, you know? Yeah, I, mean? I also do think that, like, he's also complying with whatever they were telling him to say at Barcelona. Pep? Yeah. I think he, I don't I don't know if he's had the same issues with players now for Man City, you know. 
Complete uh, side note. Complete side yeah. note. Is he that great of a coach, or was it just because he's just had super players that excelled? Oh, don't say this, man. This is so difficult because he's. So then, I, because, yeah, maybe, right? Because he's done the thing where he's won championships. And like his first year, he won six trophies. Yeah, and then he goes to Bayern and he does the same. Well, he, right. the only thing, the thing is he was brought there to win a uh, Champions League, right? And they fell yes. short of that. Yeah, and he fell short of that. But he yeah, won. But the guy, that, the guy that they brought, the guy they had before him won the treble. And yeah. it just so happened the guy after him, well, the won second the, guy after him, yeah, ended up treble. winning the treble as well. Yeah, so it's like, is, that, is it really him? Uh, or do you just need a coach who can speak to the players? I think, you know... I think uh, one thing, and this was uh, an interview by Austin Wenger, um, and you know, I'll have you guys know that he still only supports one club, and he's been offered to coach other clubs. Michael. Get out! Get out of here! Get <laughs> I out. had to do it. I had to get out. Um, and he spoke about the fact that you know, typically as a coach comes in, you know, they have three months initially to make an effect and imprint on the players right and then there after that it's just maintenance it's maintaining it right but like the impression is a bigger aspect um because you're not saying anything new right but the when you come in with fresh perspective it's where you can drive players right and i think um uh, <clears throat> pep is very good at um, fostering, you know, the, the the positivity, or at least, or at least, drive in players, and I think he could do that at Bayern. He could do that at Barcelona, and he can do that at Man City. I agree. I don't think tactically, or maybe even, you know, with with if given a poor team, can he can he claw his way out of a deficit? Could he, you know, or like is, an, just an average team? An average like, team. I, yeah. I, he's not. He's, yeah. I don't think he's yeah. a Diego Simeone where he comes no. up with the tactics and makes his players better, puts him in the right yeah, position. Exactly. Exactly. I think he. I agree. I think he. They. You know, for him, you know, even with Man City, like the fact that he can say they need to spend money, and like you look at the bench for Man City, and you're like, why would you need to spend money? You have so much talent here. Why can't you work with these players? But if they can't directly plug into what he needs because they apparently don't have any strikers now you know he's a need um but for him right i think he loses his 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 message loses its luster after a while and then once that kicks in and then he loses the dressing room that's when he leaves so i think that happened at barca and then happened sure as hell obviously at bayern I think that's why they fell short of winning Champions League. They just couldn't get over that final hump. And I think it's happening at Man City now. So I think he's a very good coach in terms of being able to connect with the players and like on a personal level. But tactically, I don't know if he's that good if given left to his own devices. But I mean, who is, right? Because can I name another coach, you know, Maybe what Ferguson, um, who, um, like someone who could give you a t could outdo you tactically right now with any team, 
as poor or as good as any team you give them. They could uh, monster classy. The manager? Yeah. That's... yeah. That's and I guess one. this is a tough one. And I mean, it kind of is biased, you know, to say that because you we don't know everyone and everyone has different styles. I was just thinking but, of like the, like the, the big teams. Yeah, of the big to... teams though. Yeah, let's say that. Like tactically, who can do a good job? Yeah. Would this is this might be a long shot? Yeah. Would you say Pochettino tactically was pretty good as a manager? But you know what? You're actually listing someone who is the description of being able to take scrappy teams. He he was he had Southampton and he proved himself there. And then moving to Tottenham, he also there again proved himself there and took them to heights they never they could never be to they could never like, get would, to. Would you? I, well, I think it's hard to say that Chelsea was, but I don't think people like thought Chelsea would have the success they had in, in Frank Lampard's first year. Yeah, of course. Like that one might be grasping more at straws. Like yeah. I think like because oh, there's no real like it's like something that's been built up over time. You would you argue? I don't know if I would say the same thing for, well, you could argue like what Diego Simeone, like he's still got some talented players. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He, no, he he does have a lot of talented players, but, and I I do agree. He, he can outdo it with tactics. He's shown it before you won uh, Europa league, um, falling short for UEFA though, unfortunately, but He's able to make a. He's always able to make considerable pushes to a cup final. Let's say that, and they, Atletico Madrid, have been f- punching above their weight for a long time now. So, it goes to show that he, you know, for to a certain degree, tactically he's good. But I, I also hear that he's a bit, he's a bit eccentric. So. <laughs> his lack of, a fu- as, a, as a footballer as well as a manager yeah so his lack of like ability okay. I don't think he's able to center himself with whatever is going on in the actual world and I think because of that he's able to change up his 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 uh, his tone and he's, he's always saying something new I, I totally forgot about this and I have no idea why because I actually do enjoy Liverpool and I love him I loved him in Dortmund mm-hmm Jurgen Klopp. I don't know ah, how yeah. about him. Like okay. Klopp is a great manager in that case. Klopp is a great manager, yeah. Klopp is a great tactical manager. Be, uh, more so because of the fact that he uses, he definitely enjoys using scrap. But I think he uses diamonds in the rough. I think what he does is he takes obvious diamonds that people know are good, but haven't been given the opportunity to. Like he's to made Mo Salah into a premier goal scorer. Yes. When he was like, when you look at his time in Chelsea, then you looked at him as Rome, you're like, oh, okay. But he was he was good at Chelsea. He was just not given the the opportunity. The opportunities to shine. Yeah. So I think. But he to just, but, but to the extent of what he he became. Yes. Like yeah. I don't think you could say he'd be a pretty good goal scorer in a, in the yeah. league. But yeah. would you have ever but expected him to score thirty plus? Would you ever yeah, expected him to score twenty no. something? Like no, will he ever reach thirty plus? I don't know. But could he be a t- perennial like twenty twenty five goal man? He could. Yeah. He could be. He could be, as long as he stays greedy. Sadio Mane, doesn't I could throw share. him in there for me. <laughs> as long as he doesn't share. Because <laughs> Sadio Mane, is, that's the thing. Because you're exactly like that. And it's not to say that it's a knock at Mo Salah. It's to say that exactly that. 
Sadio Mane is also such a good player that, you know, you, you give him the pass, he's going to convert it. So, like, you're splitting goals at that end. But Liverpool have started off with not the greatest squad. I would say, you know, Klopp is a very good, um, uh, a good nominee as well because, you know, there's there's the argument that he he took Henderson, you know, from a very subpar, barely noticeable like talent to you know, Captain England almost right. Like this guy is seen as a big influence now in English football as well as a cog in the Liverpool squad. Like he's been a part of every squad that's won a major trophy for Liverpool within the last two to three years now. Like the Champions League, um, <clears throat> the regular league, he played most of the caps, at least 80% of the, the season. Um, as you know, so it's it's it goes to show that he's definitely improved but he was never there before. So Klopp's definitely being able, but I think that's a big combination of being able to talk to people personally. You know, that's that aspect of, like I was saying, is that connecting with people on a personal level. That's what Pep can do as well. You can kind of see the same thing with, with Klopp if you think about it. He really loves his players and the players really love him and he, and he maintains this relationship with them. And I think in doing so, they show loyalty by playing as hard as they can for him they want to play for him right but tactically you know I think Poch might beat him out a little bit more just because Poch was dealing with shit at Southampton Poch was really dealing with shit maybe Klopp in Dortmund because Klopp also was and he couldn't even keep any of his players right like the guy was never in the driver's seat they would just tell him well done now do it with three less players <laughs> You know, what if we take three more of your starts? Now do they, it again. They won back-to-back. Yeah, they won yeah. back-to-back Bundesliga titles. Yeah. Uh, went to a Champions League final, you know. With people moving lost to, to – bo- with, with them being the following, the Yeah, the following day. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Like Lewandowski doing that. You had Marco Royce – not Marco Royce, excuse me. Uh, Mario was, Goze uh, doing Go, the same Goza. thing. Yeah. I was like, what the <laughs> – I was like, yo, this is not even – I, I that like used to get school, man. yeah that used to get me a little weirded out. I was like, why doesn't the German Bundesliga like at least have a discussion about this? Like, it's going to it kind of ruins com- competition, does it not? If they're just if the whole purpose of Dortmund was just to be a piggy bank, you know. Well, but it comes. It really just comes down to money, and like the biggest That's club true. in Germany is Bayern. So if they want to buy you, they want to buy you. They did it with Neuer, yeah. with Schalke. They've done it with other players yeah. in and around the Bundesliga, yeah. and they coach guys we, from Dortmund as well. They like to say we are doing business. No, if, would you like to do? We're doing business. All right, <laughs> shut up. Well, Shut and up. then and they try to find like interesting deals that they can guys on loan like they did with Barcelona and Coutinho and sure enough Coutinho scores against Barca and that that was painful that was painful and now playing again for Barcelona yeah I but the ultimate betrayal this is gonna be the uh, ultimate because it wasn't like he wanted to leave it's just ah it's because he's he didn't sell it and the thing is he didn't celebrate That's, when they scored like he's just like all right i scored a goal because he's, he's, he's like i'm still technically paid by you know or still technically yeah, owned by you're, barcelona you're garbage bro he's because you're garbage 
a garbage player. It's ridiculous. I don't understand he was, why he's a garbage player and they bring him back. Well, I think no certain players need to because no one wants because Moses because no one wants him. No one wants him. No one wants him. No one wants Dembele. No one wants Mtiti. No it's kind of funny, like okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say um, that. Like Dembele, Griezmann, you know, Griezmann. that's one thing. Griezmann, yeah, I think he needs to go somewhere else because he's not. Yeah, but no one wants not, any of these people. But it's not because they're bad. It's just that they don't. Because Griezmann Their played fantastic in the Nations I, League with France. It's just yeah, he's just kind of playing out of position. It's just he's not comfortable in the position that he is. He he's not. A, been, he's not he a. Been acquired, he's not a yeah. passive guy. He's not a. Or he's more no. of a passive guy. He's not going to be aggressive, right? So he's kind of you know I'll lay in the facilitator. Yeah, well, even just like laying the weeds. He's a great goal scorer, but I mean, mm-hmm. like you got Messi on one side, you got Coutinho uh, doing his thing, uh, who's played exceptionally well, who's now you know kind of like the the one A to to Messi on the pitch. Yeah, who you knows? Know, kind of kind of left out there. Yeah, who knows how long have him out the wing? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't do that at all. But yeah, no, but I see. I think that's uh, there's certain things, but no, uh, Coutinho this year has played fantastic. Yeah, I guess like, he you can't knock him. He yeah he took some time. I think he when he went down to the Premier League with Liverpool, the mm-hmm. time he spent with Bayern, like he, he's matured, and I think in Coutinho's a guy who's been amazing in the Different new system, Coutinho. the new coach, mm-hmm. and yeah, Barcelona, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, it remains to be seen. We'll see how this the season progresses as they give him more playing time. We'll see maybe if he blossoms into the player we once all thought he was going to be the first go round at Barca. Uh, doubt it, but you know what? <laughs> Faith, I guess. But Moses, I think that that uh, that concludes episode twenty-four of Beyond the Bleachers, um, the Kobe edition. The Kobe edition, y'all. You know, you've been waiting for it. You've been fiending for it. You know, Kobe. We out here, bro. Um, and Moses, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Anything else that you had? I hate Sergio Ramos. Oh, okay. He hates Sergio Ramos. Okay. Like I said, not as a human being. I'm sure he's a mm-hmm. great guy, all that mm-hmm. stuff. He's got a great head of hair. Maybe I'm low-key jealous. Who knows? Uh, but I will say this. He infuriates me. Ah, and just, just just wearing that white of Real Madrid. No, I can't, man. I like Barcelona. I can't. I can't stand. No, can't stand the dude. <laughs> I'll tell you, he... Oh, especially that diving. And honestly, if I had him on my team, I'd probably love him. But he just irritates the crap out of me. So when it's just because he plays for, Bar- for, for Real Madrid. Exactly. And you're a his, Barcelona His fan. foolishness does not benefit me. So yeah, therefore, no, I have not. a problem with it. I don't think it's foolishness. It's tactical awareness. I think he's understanding the game that we got to play now. We got VAR and you got to play, you know, you got to maximize VAR, every opportunity. He, he cr- that game, you know, he created the foul. He initiated. Oh, for sure. Oh, so weak. And how did he so get that weak. penalty? Yeah. So weak. And and besides that, referee, don't get me started on him because. Oh, that ref he, was not on your side. Well, apparently that re- yeah, that referee was yeah, god awful. I think I think he was a ref that you guys have actually dealt with that Barcelona had actually dealt with prior to that. Oh yeah, yeah like he yeah, think, just not yeah, not a fan. <laughs> not yeah, a fan. Just not a fan. Not a fan. Oh man. Yeah, but um, on my side, uh, I guess it's been a good episode. Um, we have been able to talk about everything from the NBA. We talked a little bit about uh, football. Um, and then we talked a little bit about uh, uh, 
you know, some other football, right? Like American football. Um, and you know what, Moses, if there's only one thing I could say, um, it would be this, you know, um, and this comes from the bottom of my heart. And uh, if anyone would like to know um, what that means, it's a rough, really, really rough translation. Um, I think I'm gonna have like an inscribed on my chest here. But Moses, would you like to tell them what the direct translation is? I feel like I have you know an inkling. It. I have an inkling, but, but I'm not gonna get, say it. You don't want to say it, but no. you kind of know what it is, right? It's yeah, you, you took it to a new level. Phrase. Uh, it's a Hungarian for Paul Pierce ain't shit. It's a really beautiful phrase. You know, you guys, you guys should check it out. Check it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, Moses, thanks so much. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you next week, man. Uh, yeah, uh, it's never an episode until I've said it somehow. Right. Okay. But some one day he's gonna listen. He'll he'll hear me. And then we, we can have it at we can talk about it. I w- I wanna have a discussion about it. Um it's not gonna be cordial. I'm gonna tell him to his face. I'm gonna be like, you're a fraud. Uh <laughs> I'm kidding. You know what? Imagine I did. There's nothing you could say actually. He'd be like, You're a piece of shit. I'd be like, I know. <laughs> I, I know okay but anyway okay everyone have a good one Moses thanks so much look forward to seeing you next week buddy absolutely right. looking forward Peace. to it okay there we go this podcast is a collab house production